You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Jeff Atkinson. Jeff is the former SVP of marketing at Overstock.com, where he grew SEO from zero to over $300 million as a channel in the late 2000s. He went on to start Huckabye, which is a software company disrupting the SEO industry with software services that automate structured data and dynamic rendering on websites. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Don't get scared. Prominent customers include SAP, Salesforce, Concur, among many, many others. I think you guys are going to really enjoy the conversation because today we are going to talk about the future of SEO and how to be better prepared for it because that landscape is changing just like every other landscape in marketing online. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you, Dennis. It's so great to be here. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. You're in Park City, Utah, so you're a big skier. That's correct. Yeah. I was actually listening to previous podcast of yours and you had another skier on that was living in Aspen, but yeah, I'm in Park City. Great winter so far. We're having an epic season. Yeah. Adam Robinson, I think it was. That was a recent episode. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a skier. He was in uh, Colorado, I think. But yeah, everybody seems to yep. be skiing these days, right? It's the <laughs> lifestyle business. Now, do you, do you have a remote team like he did or do you have more of an office there in Park City? We have an office here in Park City, but our development team is distributed and some of our customer success is distributed. But there's about seven or eight of us here in Park City and then the rest are kind of across the country. But everybody's in the U.S. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, the obvious question is, you know, your experience at Overstock, right? I mean, you were the SVP of marketing. Overstock was a huge business and probably still is today. I mean, I don't follow it, but tell us how you ended up there. I mean, give us a short version. You were an East Coast boy. You were from the Boston area and then you migrated all the way out to, out to Park City to join the, the Overstock team. How did that all come to play? Yeah. So actually I was planning on moving to New Zealand and my mom said to me, I was a ski racer in college and she said, you have to take one job interview before you leave school. Otherwise, this has been such a big waste of money for us. And that job interview ended up being Overstock. And Overstock's actually based in Salt Lake City. And so I took the job, you know, it was ground floor, making not a lot of money, thinking, okay, I can have this real job, but still be a ski bum. And that ended up, you know, having a mind for this digital marketing world. And yeah, we had quite a ride there. I was fortunate to have the CEO, founder, take me under his wing and be my mentor. And yeah, seven years later, you know, we've grown that thing into an enormous sort of e-commerce giant. Really fun run. And so you started out kind of entry level and you obviously, eventually your shoulders got more broad and more broad. You took on more responsibility and you became the SVP. How long were you there? Seven years? Seven years, yeah. How long were you running marketing during that time frame? Oh man, probably at least five of the seven. Wow. Very cool. So a lot of that yeah. growth was directly under your your control and your direction, right? Cool. Yep. Awesome. So what would be the biggest lesson you took away 
from that experience, right? I mean, you went from, you took that channel from zero and we'll try to make it a little more narrow, right? Because I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things you learned in that seven or eight years. But from the perspective of growing that SEO channel from zero to 300 million, if you had to say, what's the biggest thing you learned during that process? I would say two things. One of the most important is just how technical SEO is. Ultimately, it's a technical problem. We spend so much time on the UI UX for a human, but I think a lot about what the experience is for a Googlebot and how important that is because it really dictates how many humans. So we had a team at some point of about 40 people working on SEO and more than half of them were developers. So that can show you kind of where we put our resources to get that kind of growth. The other is being willing to adjust your business based on demand. So I got there and it was like an electronics and jewelry and watches company, but we figured out that there was huge search volume in the home and garden categories like furniture and bedding. And so we pivoted into, we built a supply chain and now everybody knows Overstock is a home and garden company where you get your sheets and memory foam and all that stuff. So being willing to look at what people are searching for and the demand that's out there and being agile enough to change your business to go after that demand and fulfill it. It's a faster path towards growth than you know, knowing that you have the product that people are going to want. It's much easier to actually look for what people want and then just fulfill it. Nice. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. So here's a question for you. You know, you're a guy who's, I appears to be pretty technical, right? I mean, you, you seem to be a pretty technical guy. You've probably get, got some chops in the developing side and you also do, obviously you have a marketing mind, but here's my question to you. If you could pick any business superpower, something that you don't currently have, maybe it's something that someone else has that you just really wish you could do. Maybe, who knows, maybe it's public speaking, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's who knows. I don't know. I, wanna, I don't want to fill your bucket. But if you could pick any business superpower, what would it be? Sales. Sales. You know, I'm, I was in the B2C world where you never see your customer. You've got millions of them, but you just interact with them digitally. I'm learning. I'm now in the B2B world and I'm learning the sales world. I think I, I have a bit of a knack for it, but I've got so much to learn and so much to grow in that space. So yeah, that's the superpower I would, I would be interested in. Love it. Yeah. I mean, and now that you're steering your own ship, right? And you're running your own business. I mean, obviously sales is a big part of everybody's job, but as the owner of the business, the CEO, the leader, you know, you really, you're always selling something, either selling internally, selling to investors, selling to your customers. There's always stakeholders you got to be selling to. So I think that is an amazing superpower. And I've always told everybody, I mean, you know, if you can develop the skill of selling successfully, you'll never starve. You'll always be able to go anywhere in the world and earn a great income. And six figures is just the start of a great income in sales. So I have a tendency to agree with you. All right, cool. So listen, let's unpack this because there's a lot to talk about and we've got a short period of time. First, I mean, just, so, just to remind everybody, today we're going to talk about the future of SEO and how to be better prepared for it, right? He's going to give you some tips and strategies, a little bit of a framework on how to be prepared. But first, we're going to talk about what is the future of SEO? What are the trends? What's going on right now that you see starting to dominate search, particularly over the next three to five years? Yeah, there's a bunch of trends. One in particular that really has stood out to me, and I just learned in the last couple of weeks, is that for the first time in the past year, users cared more about immediacy and getting an answer or getting a product or getting watching a show than they cared about brand loyalty. So, you know, we used to go to ESPN.com if you trusted ESPN.com to get your sports score. Now you just put in, you know, Boston Celtics and it pops up the score. And I don't care where it came from. As long as it's on Google, I trust it. So immediacy has become not just a trend at Google, but almost a culturally, a cultural trend. And so it's not going away. 
And no matter what you're doing, whether it's voice search, search on mobile, being able to, you know, just look at the search results that are starting to come back and how they satisfy that immediacy. And there's a bunch of stuff you got to do that I know we'll talk about in a minute to be able to solve that problem. Macro trend is also voice search. I believe someday, you know, it was interesting to watch the transition from desktop to mobile and how quickly it happened. And it really happened because the user experience just got there. We had went from Palm Pilots and Trios, where we were hunting and pecking with a stylus and taking 30 seconds to load a web page, to iPhones and faster speeds. And as soon as that happened, the user experience caught up to the desktop and everybody switched. The user experience of voice search has not reached that point yet. So you can't just search for the best product. Uh, let's say you want to you know the product you want, and you want to order it at the best price. It's still way easier for you to do that on your desktop than it is to do it via voice. And so there needs, in my opinion, this is one of the first times that Google has some serious competition because Apple could solve this problem better than they could. Amazon with Alexa could solve this problem better than, than Google could. But I have a feeling Google's going to be the one that gets it right. And so, you know, probably in the next five years, you'll see that same massive transition like it was from desktop to mobile. That'll go from typing to voice. So those two or three big trends you talked about, one was the impact of immediacy and how Google is adjusting how they display the results, right? So rather than, you know, like you said, you know, you said Boston Celtics, rather than it pulling up ESPN.com and you clicking through and then having to maybe search for it or a little bit further or filter through, it just pulls up the score right on Google because they don't want you to leave Google, right? I mean, that's really the hidden agenda is they want you to stay on Google, right? Because the more searches you do, the more time you spend there, the more ads they sell. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And the more data they yep. gather about your interests and wants, needs, and desires, which lets them sell more later, right? So, yep. so yeah, okay, cool. And then the second one you talked about was the voice search, right? And how voice search works today and kind of how that's changing you know, I've heard a lot about voice search and I use voice search for my iPhone. But like you said, it really today, voice search to me is really more, you know, just the difference between typing, but I still get the results a lot of times in Google just on a page where I'm still getting those results. It just makes it a little bit more convenient. Do you see that dramatically changing or do you see that being kind of, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously it's impossible to predict the future, but you're the guy who, if I was going to ask that question to, would probably be the most qualified that I know. Yeah. So. You're actually a bit ahead of me. I actually hate using voice search. I kind of have to force myself to do it. We have a bunch of Google Homes in the office and at my house. I think it's a terrible user experience personally, because if you don't have a device in front of you, you no longer get like the 10 things back. You get kind of a janky answer or they just can't solve it. So I do think like how you're using voice search where you're using it on your mobile device and then you actually have a screen to interact with. That's going to be a very big step before they really have that sort of, you know, you know you're going to get the best product or the best movie time back just doing a voice search and having it answer with voice. So whether it's your mobile device, it's your laptop, it's your TV screen, that's really, I think, the next steps that'll get pretty dialed. So you'll have, you know, a Google device on your TV and pretty much anything that you want that TV to do, whether it's, you know, book a trip you know, watch a show, check the weather, it's all going to be there visually. And then at some point, you know, that sort of like almost conversational voice search will get better. But I think in the short term, the future looks like voice to screen. Gotcha. Perfect. All right, great. So that kind of paints a picture for the audience. Obviously, 
people have seen, you know, like for example, one of the things that's really I've noticed, particularly in the last year, is these rich snippets, right? Which is where you know you're searching for the answer to a question, very similar to that scenario where you talked about with the sports score. I mean, you see that a lot now, right? You see a lot of them giving you the answer right there. It's almost like a zero-click search, I guess is what they call it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that paints a pretty pretty good picture for the audience. Now, why don't we talk a little bit about how and what small businesses or even enterprises should be doing to start getting a, you know, start preparing for that. Because the only, here, listen, when I, one of my early mentors told me very early on, he goes, the only constant in business is change, right? And I'm sure he didn't coin that phrase, but the fact is, is that we're changing at a rapid pace. So you definitely want to try to stay ahead of the curve. That's the goal of this episode today is to, is to educate you a little bit so you can be prepared. So Jeff, take that away. Give us a little bit of a framework on how they might be better prepared as these changes unfold. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a ferocious market leader that's changing the world. Google's probably as prominent in that world as anybody. So SEO is changing at an incredibly rapid rate, and the industry actually is really lagging behind. And so sort of my goal and the purpose of our company is to sort of look at these macro trends and build products that solve the future of where they're going. One of the big things is a relatively well-known, but probably not really well-known by your listeners, the language called structured data markup. And structured data markup's been around for 10 years, but it's, it's a language. It's a, the way that Google wants to speak with websites. So you can use structured data to almost talk about anything, a movie time, an event, a product, you know, almost a weather, whatever it is. And that's the language that's powering all of those rich enhancements on search results. It also powers all of voice search. And so if your site isn't doing, you know, structured data is pretty straightforward. There's lots of ways to do it. Obviously, we have a solution, but you need to have structured data throughout your website for Google to be able to not only understand your website, but also be able to start positioning you and featuring you in that rich features and search results. So that would be one sort of macro trend technically to help your listeners, you know, get ahead of the curve. It's actually the curve is already kind of here, but to make sure they get on that train where if you're only getting one answer back, you're that answer and you control the conversation and structured data is the fastest way to get that done. So do your products, I mean, they're software products. So do your products integrate with like WordPress, for example? Because I mean, WordPress obviously powers a huge percentage of the web. How do you guys tie in or do, how do providers like you tie that in? Can you explain that to us? Yeah, so we're front end agnostic. So you can have any tech stack in the world. All we're doing is looking at the HTML and the information on the front of the website, and then building this language on your behalf. And then it's just embedded at the top of the page. So when a Googlebot comes in, they can capture all of the structured data and understand each and every page much more clearly. So it's a really light implementation, actually, but it gives us very powerful information for Google to be able to absorb. Got it. Okay, cool. So this whole structured data markup language. Basically, it just simplifies and makes the job easier for Google. And anytime you can make the job easier for them, it's always going to be better, right? I mean, the fact is- That's why they love it. Yeah, that's why they love it. They're they're probably going to make it just that much easier. Plus, you have to have that type of- Do you have to have that type of language or technology enabled in order to start showing up in rich snippets and voice search? You have to have that done. Yes, you have to have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's impossible for you to start gaining any of the advantage of these new trends without leveraging that structured data markup. And there's probably a million different ways to do it. 
Jeff's company has one and I'm sure there's a bunch of others. So, all mm-hmm. right. So let we talked a little bit about that. So I think that's important. And I think, you know, anybody that wants to take a look at that, if you have an existing website, obviously Jeff is here. He's giving his time and energy. Check out his website. We'll make sure we, you know, his business is called Huckabye. We'll give you some more information at the end of this. What's next? What else can we be doing to try to catch up and or get ahead? Yeah. I think the other biggest macro trend is a bit of a surprising one in my book. And this is coming from an SEO guy that's been looking at this stuff for 15 years. I think it's actually the biggest change Google's made in the last 10 years. And that is dynamic rendering. And dynamic rendering, basically, the internet has, is growing exponentially, obviously, which makes their job of crawling everything very difficult, compounded by the fact that the front end of websites, whether it's WordPress or Shopify or you know, Squarespace, have gotten more complicated, meaning there's chat boxes now, there's personalization, there's all this JavaScript firing, makes their job to crawl and understand the internet very, very difficult. Dynamic rendering basically says, well, you can now give us a version of the site that's easier for us to crawl, which is a huge break from their normal patterns where they always said, we want to crawl exactly what the user sees and all that. So dynamic rendering is a huge opportunity for any kind of site to have a simplified version for Google to understand. And by simplified, I mean, it's very fast, it's flat HTML, and it has structured data. And we have a product that converts websites into this sort of, we call it like Google's perfect world. But that's an opportunity that I think is just starting and people to catch on to, and it is the future of how Google wants websites to look and interact. The user experience remains the same, but they're opening a window for us to give them exactly what they want. And they've never done that before. And so we're taking advantage of it. And the growth with companies that are using this product is just sort of insane. I think that's a perfect segue. So here's what I'd like to, you to share. Paint us a little bit of a picture. You talked about some strategies, obviously, structured data, markup, dynamic rendering, and these different strategies, right? And how there's different software that can do that from you and others. So let's talk about maybe a case study or two. Why don't we talk about maybe some clients where, you know, maybe one or both of these where you've seen a huge impact. I mean, dramatic, where it was, where it was very eye-opening that what you guys did was the impetus of seeing that sort of growth. I mean, do you, I'm sure you have those. Can you help us share a little bit around that? Yeah. So you mentioned three major software companies earlier, all publicly traded. One of those three, <laughs> I'll give you an example for, and they won't get mad at me. Yeah. So one of them, massive site, think of a domain authority in the 90s out of 100. Google wants to know everything they possibly care about this site. On any given page, they would have sometimes 100 JavaScript tags. So think about the, the amount of business demands put on these massive B2B software sites, so chat boxes, personalization. We, they get uh, 65% of their sales pipeline comes from organic search. Huge. You know, these are, we're talking hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in revenue flowing through this channel. So that Google's struggling to understand the site. Um, we layered SEO Cloud, our dynamic rendering product, on top of it, added structured data, and their organic search channel grew 75% in six months. So that's powering over 500 account executives. Think how happy they were. No one, no one likes a lead like an organic search lead. They're like the best. If you've ever managed a sales pipeline, they're very specific users. They trust the site because they're clicking not through an ad, but through an organic search link very high conversion rate, 
So the financial impact on that company taking a channel that's you know handling 65% of their pipeline, and we grew at 75% in six months. I mean, they were just that had a, a enormous financial impact on the company that we're we're quite proud of. <laughs> yeah, and it was really all centered around those two components that you talked about, and which mm-hmm. is structured data and dynamic rendering, right? So, okay, cool. I mean, any other case studies or thoughts you want to share about maybe customer success or anything else? Yeah, but one thing that I, we were kind of talking about earlier is just we try to help customers think about the demand that's out there rather than just coming up with products that they, especially in B2B world, we love to come up with these funky little names for our products that isn't actually what people search for. We encourage our customers to look at the demand. So like how many people are searching a month for any given product or subject or whatever. And then actually building products or at least your website to sort of monitor, to sort of match that demand. So getting towards sales growth is much easier when you go after a, a, something that's got a lot of demand already out there, rather than trying to force yourself upon, you know, unwilling customers. So that's a trend that I'm surprised the B2B world hasn't picked up on yet. We definitely are all over it where you you know, let's call things what people are searching for. So if you're building a whatever type of B2B product, look for what people call it and call it that and make it prominent, you know, use that keyword throughout your website. So chasing demand is a, you know, we've had customers that have like changed their navigation to call their products what people search for. Just doing that doubled their SEO. It happens all the time. They used to call it, you know, whatever, whatever. And then they changed the name, they put it in the navigation, they call it what people search for boom, their organic traffic doubles. Love it. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, here's a question for you. Get a little bit macro into Huckabye, right? What's the number one strategy you guys are using to get new clients for your business? Because you have some, I mean, you've got some large clients. I'm sure you service more than just the enterprise, right? You probably mm-hmm. swim you know, downstream a little bit. What's the number one strategy or channel you use to get new clients for your business? Yeah, we've a couple big things. One is our own organic search is, you know, is starting to really take off. And that is a scalable channel that we're going to ride as far as we can ride it. We've also done a little bit of a pivot around our sales team. So traditional software companies, you have a bunch of account executives. In the tech SEO space, they don't like to talk to account executives. They don't answer emails. They don't answer phone calls. And so our sales team is transitioning into technical SEO experts. So they're still salespeople, but they're actually SEOs. They're really smart at you know, search, and that's where their background comes from. And they kind of get stuck and pigeonholed from a comp perspective and a career path. As, you know, once you're the SEO guy at a company, you know, that's where you are. So we're giving folks like that an opportunity to make more money, go out there in wherever they, you know, San Francisco, wherever they are, they already have a, a, a brand and they're trusted as an SEO expert. And those are going to become our sort of sales channel. Now, I don't know if that's going to work or not. <laughs> I have a feeling that it's going to be a growth driver, but um, that's a pretty big, you know, pivot for us and a, a kind of a different approach to sales that I think is going to, is going to be pretty, pretty prominent this year. And I think it's going to deliver results. Is that more of a partnership model or is that internally? We're going to, we'll do some like con- contract deals, but I think most of them will be hires. So, you know, finding really smart SEOs, they don't even, you know, that's the thing, the, the sort of the dorkier they are, the better, you know, they, they want to, we want to be able to have people talking to people and understanding each other. 
and much less of a sales process and much more of an educational process. This is a thing. This is where Google's going. You know it. I know it. We have a solution for it. Right. They're more of a sales engineer than they are just a traditional yep. salesperson. Got it. Perfect. Yep. All right. Love that. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, we're going to wrap it up. Here's two rapid fire questions before we close out. One is, you know, being a tech guy, I'm sure you have your a list of these, but what's your favorite growth tool or software app, something you guys are using at Huckabye or you use yourself that helps drive growth for your business? So there's a great SEO tool called Arefs, A-H-R-E-F-S. I think is probably the best, like we're much more about performance and driving growth. They're the best analytical SEO tool. Now I'll be pretty lame here and say Slack. I mean, I think Slack is actually just absolutely incredible in, in terms of intercompany communication. So those are the two tools that we really leverage a lot and, and, and probably use the most internally. Awesome. And what would be one book maybe you've read recently or has helped you throughout your journey that you'd recommend to the audience? There, it's kind of hands down. It's the, called the Sales Acceleration Formula. It was written by the CMO of HubSpot. I forget his name off the top of my head. But it, it tells the story of, of how HubSpot grew so significantly and how diligent they were in their hiring and, and, and how they went about it. And you can just see how it works. You know, when, when you see, when you read the book, you're like, oh, I completely understand how they got to be as big as they did. And it has tons of little tricks and tips. So sales acceleration formula, hands down, I think is for a B2B leader. That's, that's the place to, that's the book. Love it. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, Jeff, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about Huckabye, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Great. Just go to Huckabye.com. One thing I'd love to promise your, your audience is if you go to Huckabye.com and you fill out a contact us form referring to this podcast, I'll personally reach out. So I'll take the call. It can be doesn't, not, not a sales call. If they just want to learn more about SEO and talk shop, I'll do that. So that's the best way. You have a great audience and would love to, to interact with them. So just come to our site, fill out a contact form, mention this podcast, and I'll be on the call. Perfect. Well, listen, guys, I'll put the links to that in the show notes. I'll also add some links to maybe Jeff's social channels on LinkedIn and other. And then um, you guys can reach out, connect with him, obviously learn more about Huckabye. And uh, I really appreciate being here, Jeff. This is a really interesting topic. You're obviously a super sharp guy. Totally appreciate your time. Have an awesome day. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for having me, Dennis, and congrats on all that you've accomplished. It's really great to be here, and thanks for having me. Thanks, Jeff. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now, and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.